Good morning on this May 9th, 2021. It's Mother's Day, and good morning to all the mothers. But today's specific episode is going to focus on mothers, and why is it that only on one day we focus on saying Happy Mother's Day? And we even, walking down the street, or sitting in a restaurant, or standing at a bus station, might just randomly say to a woman, Happy Mother's Day. When, in truth, we all have a mother. Whether we grew up with a mother, or we grew up with a legal guardian, or we grew up with a parent who was mothering, or a person who was responsible for us in the rearing in our formidable years. Parenthood is important. And so in this episode, we'll talk about the importance of motherhood and why we tend to be so delighted on Mother's Day to be able to celebrate Mother's Day. But why this particular Mother's Day is even more special in so many ways. And on that, I'll be right back. Stay with me and listen to more. This is the Dew Point Report, the digital electronic point report. Exploring the duality of digital intangible truths that we live in every day. And welcome back. Today on the Dewpoint Report, I'm talking about Mother's Day and how uniquely celebrated Mother's Day is in different places around the world. The important reverence that is given to all mothers, as critical as that is, is celebrated differently in different parts of the world. And of course, within each family structure, unique in itself as well. So I'll tell you what I used to do to celebrate my mother. I would begin in the morning by giving her a call, and I would say to her, Esta son las mañanitas que cantaba el rey David, hoy por ser día de tu santo, te las cantamos. Despierta, madre, despierta, mira que ya amaneció, ya los pajarillos cantan, la luna ya se metió. El día en que tú naciste, nacieron todas las flores. En la fila del bautismo, 
cantaron los ruiseñores. Ya viene amaneciendo, ya la luz del día nos dio. Levántate de mañana, mira que ya Now, why did I share that with you? And you were probably wondering, what did I just say? Well, I'll explain both of those things. The first is, Sometimes both of those verses of that song would actually come through in completeness, as they did now, sort of. Now, I know I don't sing very well, so I certainly apologize for the poor intonation in some of those um, portions of the verses. However, to my mother, that was just awesome, because uh, that's how mothers are. But sometimes... <laughs> I couldn't even make it through two lines of that particular song. Two verses of the song would just fall apart. In that I either would get the song completely wrong, I would start crying with emotion and just being on the phone with her because I was so excited to be speaking to her. Um, of course, I would call her probably every two weeks or once a month. So it, was, it wasn't like I wasn't giving her a call ever so often just to say, hey, mom, how's it going? But the point is the emotion of celebrating Mother's Day is something much different. And so this song, which is celebrated typically on birthdays, is also celebrated or specific for mothers. And I could sometimes not even get through a portion of the song because I was so overcome by the emotion of the song. And she would just say, it's okay, Miha, it's okay. And then we'd go on with the conversation. Or sometimes I would just leave it on siblings' voicemail because I would sing it on birthdays for siblings. And the same thing, it might come through on the voicemail or it might not come through. But the point that I'm making is we celebrate people in different ways and we celebrate our mothers in even more spectacular ways when our mothers have given us exemplary examples. And why we do this for our mothers and parents who are people who rear us in our formidable years, our guardians, our adoptive parents, it could be an aunt, a grandparent, And any individual we feel is respectable to be considered in the category of parent. And so I think that we recognize there is a level of respect owed. And so sometimes I would make this phone call if I was far away. And I would share that moment. And then the day would go on after that. But that was my way of beginning the celebration of Mother's Day. And we all do that a little differently. Whether it's a bouquet of flowers, whether it's a meal being made, whether it's uh, taking someone to 
a place to eat or making the meal for them, or if it's writing a letter or a note or saying, you're just so awesome, or it's finding a positive word or comment that exemplifies just how important we recognize that individual is in having been there in our lives through our formidable years and then now as adults that we see them for who they are and how many struggles they have been through in order to allow us to be the adults that we are. And so being able to give gratitude and appreciation is so essential. And so when I would make that uh, phone call or write that poem or give that moment of appreciation, it was no more than perhaps 10 minutes of here is that essential moment. And then the day would be that much more spectacular. And why am I even discussing this? It's only Mother's Day, probably. Some mothers are saying it's just Mother's Day. Let me rest. Give me a day off already. Well, sometimes parents go out of their way so often, they don't realize they are going out of their way. It's just second nature. And it isn't until people realize exactly how much is being exhausted and appreciate that, that it truly is a measurement of more than tenacity and more than persistence. It's the belief that here is an individual that will be formidably developed into another individual that will reflect the values of the person that is rearing them. And that is a very big responsibility. And so, in the next segment, when we return, I'll talk a little bit more about why there are different ways that people celebrate mothers on Mother's Day in different parts of the world. Uh, you heard me say earlier that um, I actually might celebrate it more than one day, and I'll explain why, and then I'll talk about in other countries how mothers are celebrated, and again, this entire episode is dedicated to Mother's Day, so if you're wondering why am I focused solely on mothers, that's exactly why. It is a very special day. But it doesn't mean that every other day isn't just as important for mothers. But it certainly does recognize that the exhaustion that mothers do feel shouldn't go unnoticed. And we'll talk about that uh, later in the episode. Not at this moment, because right now we're going to take a break. So stick around, and we'll be right back on the Digital Electronic World Point Report.
welcome back to the Digital Electronic World Point Report. Here with your host, Margarita. Now, I know we've been talking about Mother's Day and the importance of taking a moment to celebrate our mothers. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what is the best way to celebrate Mother's Day when our mother is no longer here? I know, that's a really complicated question, but it actually has a simple answer. You still celebrate Mother's Day, it's just different. It's different in that perhaps you don't have someone to send flowers to, you don't have someone to call, and you don't have someone to write a letter to. But it doesn't mean that you don't have that same person that was the guide in your life that made you the strong individual that you are today. That you can still take that moment to provide gratitude and appreciation on a special day like Mother's Day. Now, it may seem difficult to process. How does that happen? How does one give appreciation to someone who is no longer alive? Well, it is possible to still journal a point of gratitude, a point of appreciation. It is possible to still meditate on a positive thought of what the individual was like when they were here, of what good things they did for you when they were around. And so when you heard me talking about the silly things that kind of went wrong sometimes when I would call my mom on Mother's Day, and sing to her what is called Las Mañanitas, which is a very special song to sing. But it wasn't always quite correct. My lyrics were wrong, and the verses were a little bit out of sequence. I don't know why, but that's just the way it would usually end up being. She still like listened to it, and she appreciated it, and she always thanked me and looked forward to the next time that I would sing that song because I don't sing it very often. And so then it was so interesting because when I actually figured out that I was singing it incorrectly, to me, I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? I've been singing it wrong this whole time. She was like, "Eh, don't worry about it. You just keep singing it however you want to sing it. So that's an example of how my mother was just so much the kind of woman that would just encourage me to be the strongest person I could possibly be. And that encouragement, I have learned as an adult, is not always there for everyone. And I'm really sorry if you're a person listening to this and you didn't have someone in your life that encouraged you to be strong and grow up to be someone who could set goals for yourself and and try to accomplish things in your life that were positive and be a positive role model for other people. Because when you have someone like that in your life, you really want that for other people too. And I think that's why I can't help but talk about her on this day. 
which is Mother's Day, because that was her strength. Her strength was motherhood. Not everyone feels that motherhood is for them. And that is very true. But that doesn't mean that people who are decisively decided that motherhood is not for them are not skilled at other things. They can be fantastic at other things. And that is the wonder of being human, is that there are so many things that people can be great at. We have to really be able to encourage people to find their strength. And so when mothers are strong in their own sense of understanding who they are, and this is simply women, of course, but mothers in particular, because we're talking about Mother's Day today, they find it in their wherewithal, in their foresight to say, oh, dear child, you go on and you be the strongest you you can be. And they will, and they do, and they have, they continue to do what they can in their ability to strengthen their children. And that is something that has been seen throughout history, throughout the present day, and it will continue to be seen in the future as well. Many accomplished individuals are often such because they have had strong role models in their life. And it isn't until they start talking about the people that made them who they are, that you realize, whoa, had no idea. And you realize there are some really, really strong pillars behind that person. And that is really what holds them up. But it actually, it really goes to a further point. No one ever becomes what they are without someone who has reared them during their formidable years. And it could be a plethora of people a plethora of community organizations, a plethora of thought processes that amalgamate to a point where the individual is the fruit of that community. And that is why when you look at different theories of thought that discuss why it takes, for example, the common saying, it takes a village to raise a person, which really does, because you can't just grow up on your own and expect to have the wisdom and knowledge of a village, of a community. But when a community has taken their knowledge and invested in you as an individual, you then grow up with that knowledge and that investment of knowledge, and you then are a reflection of that very community. So that is why positive role models are so important. Not just historically, but present day, and they will continue to be in the future. And this is why the conversations as to what does it look like to celebrate people? What did it look like to celebrate people in yesteryears, in today? And what will it look like to celebrate people in the future? 
is actually quite important. And this is why I wanted to talk about this in the next in the next segment, because you know, when we talk about this duality of existence of we're kind of in this digital existence, but then also in tangible existence because we do interact with people, obviously. But how do we still maintain that social responsibility that is truly necessary? You can't just disconnect from the importance of being able to understand what the other person truly is in need of, which can at moments be compassion, at moments can be understanding, and at moments can be discipline. And I don't mean discipline like anger discipline. I mean discipline like there are rules that have to be followed. So for example, um, in the household that my mom reared, there were, there were enough children that she could delegate responsibilities. And by the time I was around in the household, my responsibilities were very detailed. But I'll tell you that some of my responsibilities were very fun. And because they were so much fun, she made them fun, they actually have been the kinds of skills I've been able to apply as an adult. I know it sounds bizarre, but let me give you an example. It sounds strange. However, I was responsible for calling the siblings when breakfast was ready. If she had a large meal that she wanted everybody to partake in. And if she knew that it was going to be ready at a certain time and she wanted people to show up at that time, then part of my responsibility was to let everybody know. And so that knowledge of being able to know how to get a hold of everyone, some people I needed to make sure that they were there by a certain time. Other people I knew they would show up about a half an hour late, so I would give them a time that was a half an hour early because I knew they would get there half an hour late. So there was this whole timing thing of making sure that everybody arrived about a certain time. That was important but she didn't have time to do that because she was trying to get that large meal ready for everyone to gather because what she wanted was for us all to be there around her and rejoice in that meal because that meal was more than a meal it was a mindful gathering and recognition of each other's strengths. And it was so interesting that I would not have seen that as a child, but I see that now that it took a lot to get everybody there. And it took a lot for her to be able to get to that point of completing the entire meal.
all on her own. Another example is when, and this was being even younger than the example I gave you, when she would feel like making pancakes in the morning, which were one of her favorite breakfasts to make, she would ask me to go around and write down the orders, meaning like who wanted how many pancakes and what kind they wanted. So that this way, we can make sure everybody had enough pancakes. It seems trivial, but it was important. The quantity was important. And it led to quality, so that she knew she would have enough. And those were the kind of things she made so much fun for me because I would go around the house waking people up. How many pancakes do you want? And I'd be like, oh, so excited. And I would take down the, the orders on a little piece of paper. And then I would tell her, oh, so-and-so wants this many. So-and-so wants this many. So-and-so this. And on breakfast would go. That was an example. And how that applies to a skill in true life. True life meaning like in adult life, not that child life is not true life, but meaning where it's applicable in a different setting. Is that when you have a responsibility of providing, you have to know if you're going to have enough. And you have to know for how many you're going to provide. And math is always part of that. And she was helping incorporate math in daily life, but not making it seem as if though it was a math lesson that was structured an hour at a time. And so when people say, oh, math is so boring, they don't realize that math is everywhere. Math is in how we prune our roses. Math is in every detail of life. I say math is in how we prune our roses because when you prune a rose, you prune it back and you stop right before a five-point leaf, a five-leaf section, I should say. And you need to know that. If you didn't know how to count out the leaves, then you wouldn't know how to and where to stop in order to prune properly. And so you also need to know that at a 45-degree angle is how you would actually trim that. And that the reason being is that because then when that closes, you want any water or dew that lands on that open area, not to settle into the stem of the flower, but to roll right off and allow there to be a natural seal that occurs so that the stem will have true natural growth as opposed to just if you 
if you trimmed that and it was just a regular trim, you might actually have mildew begin to develop because there would be perhaps moisture settling on top of that stem of the flower and then it would just kind of go into the inside but you don't want that you want there to be a natural sealing of the stem of the flower so that it closes back up and then can allow for growth of the rose and so that's an example of how there's another way that when you do anything in nature even you really have to think of numbers and mathematical certainties and we have our mothers to thank for that in many ways or I do anyway because she taught me how to prune roses and knowing where to prune them was essential because you see she was award-winning for her garden two years she won two twice she won for her beautiful garden and she knew how to maintain her roses because she painstakingly gardened with a dedication that few have to many things. And when you have that kind of detail that you notice to life, where you can take one by one and remove a spent flower one by one, day to day to day, and allow it to grow, and watch it grow, and tend to it. It's more than a hobby. It's an understanding that because you are providing for that particular flower, it will provide for you. And so it's interesting that, again, what our parents, what our mothers, because we're celebrating Mother's Day today, provide for us foundationally in our formidable years, does continue on in our adult years. And this is why it's essential that even if our parents are no longer here, our mothers, for example, we still take a moment to celebrate them. We may not necessarily, as I said, feel like we want to celebrate with other people who have mothers who are alive because we might feel like we might be more of a downer because we're going to be talking about the days when mother was alive. And that might make people sad, understandably. But take a moment to think of all the great things that your mother was to you while she was alive because she was great why you are alive and you are a great person and so in the next segment we're going to talk about 
Why do some countries celebrate Mother's Day twice? And welcome back to the Digital Electronic World Point Report with your host, Margarita. In this last and final segment of today, which focuses on Mother's Day, I'm going to talk about a couple of things. Why do we celebrate Mother's Day in so many different ways throughout the world? And who truly is the person that can be attributed to beginning the celebration here in the United States? Well, let's begin with the latter question. Latter, spelled L-A-T-T-E-R, meaning the second point that I made. It was really in 1908, and credited to Anna Jarvis here in the United States, that one can say is when the first Mother's Day was celebrated. But truly, that doesn't mean that that's the very first time that mothers were celebrated throughout the world or in the United States. There are many instances where people have referenced a reverence to their mothers, an appreciation to their mothers, and a gratefulness to their mothers, be it through literature, through music, the lyrical prose, and or through art. And so it's interesting to see that in the United States in 1908 is when this celebratory day began. But if you look at throughout the world, and I'll talk about Mexico specifically in a moment, but there are different instances, such as in the United Kingdom, there is a specific point in time, which is actually the fourth Sunday of Lent, which is when mothers are celebrated. In Bulgaria, it's a little different. There actually is a different point in time when Mother's Day is, and that is actually. in March, coinciding with International Women's Day. International Women's Day being a global celebration brings forth an additional layer of celebration because it would also bring in women who are celebrated for being women, not just for being mothers. And as I mentioned, the fourth Sunday of Lent in the United Kingdom, also Ireland. And so one thing to keep in mind, I said I would talk about Mexico in a moment. Mexico has Mother's Day always on one day, May 10th. And so why did I say that people celebrate twice? Well, if you have mixed heritage, of any of the ones I just mentioned, for example, then you would certainly celebrate when it's 
Mother's Day in the United States. It's the second Sunday in May. So it can change on the calendar. It's not necessarily on a specific day. It's more the concept of the second Sunday of May. So the calendar day can change. But moreover to the point that I'm making, if you celebrate the United States Mother's Day, that's one. And then if you celebrate remaining connected to your heritage, so if you're Mexican-American, for example, you may celebrate twice and being on the 10th of May every single year because May 10th is Mother's Day in Mexico. And so that would be celebrated. And then, of course, you would have celebrated Mother's Day whenever it fell on whatever calendar day was the second Sunday of May. If you were of Irish-American heritage, then it would be the fourth Sunday of Lent. If you were British-American, then it would be the fourth Sunday of Lent also. And Bulgaria, for example, and Afghanistan would mark the coinciding of celebrating mothers on International Women's Day, which can vary from day to day, but sometimes particularly can be on days such as March 8th. But it can vary. And so why do I mention all these different days? Because it can get pretty confusing if you're constantly trying to keep track of when exactly is Mother's Day, since it's a changing day. Well, some countries have figured out if they just pick one calendar day and stick with that one, it will never vary. And so it seems simple, yet it works wonders. Although it is true that celebrating it twice isn't necessarily awful. Because I mentioned at the beginning that it truly is Mother's Day every day for mothers because they really don't stop being mothers when it stops being their holiday. In fact, Mother's Day ends up being more of a day off because everybody gives them so much attention for the work that they've been doing. But one thing to keep in mind is that appreciation level, that gratitude level, and that compassion level needs to really be sustained by the individuals who take that moment to write that note, take that moment to give that bouquet of flowers, take that moment to buy that box of chocolates, or even take that moment to write that poetic prose. Because when they have done that, they have synthesized their thoughts and synthesized their caring catharsis of the kind of knowledge that they know they truly have somebody who has supported them throughout the years and that they admire someone who has done that and they truly want to be part and continue to be part of that legacy. And so as they continue to do that, they must remember that it doesn't end on the end of the day of that particular holiday. It's a responsibility throughout the rest of the years to acknowledge that gratitude and appreciation.
may not be easy all the time, but certainly it is a said responsibility. Now, why was Anna Jarvis so interesting? Well, according to Parade, she had the interesting knack of um, comparing carnations to mother's love. And she also went out of her way to ensure that her recognition of motherhood included a plethora, and I'm not talking plethora like a small amount, I'm talking about hundreds of flowers. that were to reflect what she thought of Mother's Day. So in other words, she honored her mother by sending 500 white carnations to the service and held her own memorial in Philadelphia. And so it's really interesting she went out of her way to create this most interesting celebration of someone she truly admired and appreciated. And by doing that, she called a lot of attention to herself because it was on a very specific day and it drew the attention of people realizing that she was really appreciative of her mother, that therein it it brought forward a campaign to have Mother's Day recognized at a federal level. So it's quite interesting what she began. She may well not have thought that it would turn out to be such, but it certainly did. And so that's why when I say one should not necessarily do something and then think it goes nowhere. One should do something with the wholeness of the heart and understand that it is meant with good intentions, and then realize that sometimes, such as in this example, uh, things do get replicated for the very reason that they are such important issues to be understood by many more. And lastly, I wanted to point out, I mentioned previously this song, Las Mañanitas. And then I gave you a brief example of what I used to sing to my mother. And I told you that I would tell you what it was, what it meant. And I didn't want to end this episode without doing that for you. Now, I'm not going to give you an exact translation. I think that that would bore you. You certainly can look it up yourself. But I'll give you the short example of the fact that las mañanitas, which mean the morning, are often sung in the morning as a serenade. And they really exemplify the joyfulness of someone being awoken in the morning from the fact that the night is done and the morning has begun. And they're trying to tell somebody who is near and dear that now that it's morning, it is time to wake up and it is no longer time to stay asleep. And it exemplifies that 
one must be awake for the best moments of one's life because when you are present in the morning, as I've said, present in the presence of the present really allows you to experience the dynamism of, particularly now, the duality in which we live in. The duality of the digital sense of our existence and the tangible existence of us actually being at one location with the ability to have an experience with being somewhere being present having a conversation and having an interactive approach to something so in other words in this song that i referenced and that i sang briefly a few a couple of verses from Las Mañanitas is an awakening of someone to let them rejoice in the day. And this is why it's often sung for a birthday, because birthdays are celebratory and fun. It's often sung for someone who you really care about because you want to brighten their day. And it's often sung for in religious ceremonies for celebration, particularly of reverence to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, as a serenade and so there are various references and so when I was talking about how different countries celebrate mothers on Mother's Day and when Mother's Day is celebrated in different how Mother's Day is celebrated in different days on different days in many instances the references back to Mother's Day do have many songs that have a a sense of connection back to the religiosity that connects a culture. And so in this instance, Las Mañanitas is very much uh, foundational in, in much of Mexican culture. Because Las Mañanitas is often sung on the day that commemorates the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico. And so that is something that is a symbolism in and of itself, which does connect to motherhood on a religiosity level. Now, if you have a concern about my using the word religiosity, we can talk about that in a whole different episode, because I've already used it several times. But notwithstanding that concern about the word religiosity, the example that I gave you about how so many songs often have a correlation to religious foundations and can be also identifiable with other celebrations without having to change the words and without having to change the meanings of the songs. And the case that I'll make about that is Hallelujah is a song that is has strength and reverence in many senses of the world of religiosity. And though there have been many versions of Hallelujah written, Some of them have been given a much different meaning than the original ones that were founded on the Bridgestone of Faith. And so it's really interesting 
you'd have to really understand which ones were the foundational ones to really see which ones are actually used for prayer versus which ones are used for uh, pop culture that come up under um, billboard award type things, top 40, etc. Because there are distinctions. They're not necessarily in the same category. It doesn't mean that they are any less quality of music, but they are not used in the same capacity. And they can't be sung in the same areas because of the very reverence of where some of them were originally written and the purpose for which some of them were written. Uh, another example would be some Christmas songs that begin a certain way and they have very specific wording that then uh, get changed to have different meanings because the lyrics are changed, but they have the same tempo and melody. Just because they've been updated with new words doesn't mean they're still applicable and usable in church services, for example. They may now, as new songs, be only applicable on top 40 charts or different award type songs, which to the point that I'm making, they are still a form of art form because they are lyrical, but they are no longer in the same capacity of the meditative art form that would be utilized in a church service, for example. And so I say this because when I was getting the lyrics incorrect, sometimes it would be one set of lyrics and another time it would be another set of lyrics. And so the point that I was making is I wasn't changing the words to change them because I was trying to rewrite the song. Sometimes I literally just whatever was coming out of my mouth at that particular moment seemed to flow. And the beauty of having a mother as I did who was just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Just keep singing. If you want to keep singing, keep singing. If you want to stop singing, go ahead and stop and we'll have a conversation. It was uh, the kind of uh, ability to be able to rejoice in the moment. And if that example didn't come through earlier, I wanted to revisit that to ensure that truly that was communicated because that was a gift that my mother had. And I was talking to one of my siblings today and one of my sisters, and she agreed that our mother had that gift. She just would continue to be who she was and allow us as kids to be who we were. And I think that that's why when we have that kind of memory to contemplate on, it is a wondrous blessing to be able to enjoy the moments that were once there because they continue to be there. So however you celebrated your Mother's Day today, whether it was with someone who was present with you in the moment, 
today that you helped ensure they had a wonderful, fantastic day. Or if it was someone that you brought into the moment as part of a conversation with somebody else as you were remembering the best moments of them while they were on this earth. Or whether it was your ability to annotate the best moments of. Or whether it was your ability to think about what would you be like? when you would become a parent? And how would you bring out the best in somebody so that the moment that you want to enjoy a Mother's Day, how would you be rejoicing on such a day, enjoying every single moment as it was there before you. Differently than if you had not paid attention to the details of everything around you. I truly expect that you were able to find peace within yourself and peace within others to be able to have found something wondrous today. Something wondrous. Because we all have a mother. We all have someone mothering. We all have someone who has helped nurture us. And as much as the existential conversation does take us somewhere because of the future and, and what will become of mothering in the future as we venture off into all these changes, scientific changes, can have that conversation a different day because the future is going to be more complex in a different way. But for the today and for this Mother's Day, that it would have been rejoiced in such a way that we all realized how important this moment was, 2021 within context of our existence as legacies of those that were before. Because what we are is truly a reflection of the people that reared us, the people that were there for us during our formidable years. And that is a truly important reflection to have. And that concludes this episode of the Dew Point Report, the Digital Electronic World Point Report with your host, Margarita. Have a great evening.